Welcome and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Now let's join Pastor Jamie Tasker for his message. You doing well? Yeah. Thanks for that nice intro, Pastor Ben. I popped to the bathroom quickly before and... TMI, as I was washing my hands. Has anyone ever had that, that situation where you've turned the tap on and the water's sprayed up at you? Yeah, yeah well, I had that, so you can't see it, thankfully, but it was... Uh, I thought, great, I am just about to walk up on stage and it looks like I've peed myself. But we're amongst family, so I'm sharing stories. You doing good? Yeah. You know, I, I do love you guys, and I just thank God for everything he is doing in this place. And if you're visiting with us, if this is your first time in church, maybe it's your first time in a long time, I am so glad you are here. You know, some uh, 20, 22 years ago, well, 21 years ago, I walked into a church, hurt, broken, and I was at a point in my life where I was so bound by oppression I was seeking, I was looking for love. Have you ever been there? And I stepped out in front of a train trying to end my life, thinking this is it, no one will miss me. I'll end all this pain I'm going through, I'll end the pain that others I'm putting upon them. And it was in that point I I heard this voice, which simply said there is more to your life than you think. And it was at that point I got off those train tracks. I had a grandmother who had been praying for many years for me, and she invited me to church. I walked into a building like this. It was actually this church. We were meeting in a different location. I stood up the back. I knew everything. I was a teenager. I say that with love. And then a man came, he gave a message, and at the end, a challenge was put out there if you would accept Christ into your life. I stepped out of my seat, I come down the front, and I invited Christ into my life. I'm going to ask you that question a little later on, but I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are at. Because I believe in the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. He came so that you and I could have hope, and hope to the... He wanted us to have hope to the full. He wanted us to have life to the full, life in abundance. Have you ever stopped and wondered at the awe, the, just how magnificent our God is? That's something I want to share with you in just a moment. So why don't we pray? Father, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love, that you choose us in amongst all our flaws and failures you see purpose you see life and you implant your heart in us and then send us out with giftings with calling and I thank you for that and if we don't know that yet I pray that in the next 20 minutes people will discover that I pray this morning for dreams that may have been shelved to be picked up again And I just pray you speak and minister to each heart here this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. Thank you. You I want to share a passage, a message with you from uh, 
One of the books of the Bible, a book called Luke, and we're going to look at chapter 23, verses 35 to 38. It's an amazing story. You know, it's the 2nd of December, and uh, here we are, so close to Christmas. We're praying for souls this month, but I pray we never lose that awe of God. This story, before we get to it, I think is singularly one of the most important period in history. We're at a place called Golgotha. It's a location just outside of Jerusalem. It's a place where Jesus was crucified. It's also known as Skull Hill. It was an execution location. There was a man who was currently on a cross. He's hung between two thieves. A crowd gathered. Roman soldiers are there mocking him. Pilate was somewhere washing his hands, thinking this charge that he had put on Jesus was something that was just physical, not aware of the spiritual ramifications that were about to take place. The disciples, they scattered like roaches when you turn a light on at night, if you haven't fumigated your house. His mother Mary and some other ladies are at the foot of the cross, not worrying about the fear of persecution for this man whom they labelled a criminal, And they put a charge on a board above his head that stated, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. Somehow making this situation seem somewhat better, justifying their cause, knowing he was hung on a Roman cross. But what we are witnessing in this period really is a political assassination, but with spiritual ramifications. So on the cross, we we find Jesus, he's struggling to breath, and as is in the nature of crucifixions, they're not very pleasant. He can't get that leverage to breathe because he's physically nailed hand and foot to this cross. He's gasping for breath, and he slowly dies. He was mocked by soldiers. He was ridiculed by former followers, and he was abandoned by those who had walked with him the past three years. I picture Jesus with a crown of thorns on his head. He was stripped bare for the whole world to see. And then we come to verse 35. It says, The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others. They said, Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. They mocked him. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is a king of the Jews. I don't know about you, but I find that... Isn't it strange that people can watch this kind of torture, but yet not be moved to action? I could just imagine what the crowd would have been saying... Ain't that the one, the dude who was doing all those miracles? You know, it's strange that at the central moment of human history, the main title character, he's not fighting to vindicate his name. He's not screaming for the best lawyer to come and represent him and stop these proceedings. He's taken the crucifixion like the God-man he is. But I wonder what motivated him to stay on a cross that he did not have to. How did a man with so much promise ended up like this? Being hung between 
two common thieves. I mean, this is a man who, when he was baptized in the river, we read, heaven, where God said, this is my beloved son. And we see the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove. This man did in three years what no one had ever done before nor will ever do again. This man, he had been whispered about in Deuteronomy 18 by the prophet Moses. And you notice when he talks about him, it's not prophet with a small p, it's prophet with a capital P. We hear whispers of him through the Old Testament, of the wisdom of him in the old literature and the prophets where we read minor and major. Even Isaiah, he's saying, this is the one coming. He is wonderful counselor, prince of peace, almighty God, everlasting father. You see, this Jesus was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. This Jesus walked amongst people. It's beautiful. And now here he is on a cross, seemingly helpless, with no one there to help him. He cries out words like, Elohim, Elohim, Laba Sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't even fight. And yet we see people there around the cross mocking him. Look at this dude. Look at him. Remember that dude with the the withered hand? Do you remember him? Well, that was the guy who touched him. Remember Johnny who was mute? Yeah, he, he was the one who touched him and healed him. Remember when we were out swimming on the lake and that miracle happened? The guy come walking across the water? That was him. That was him. (laughs) I don't understand when you have a man with so much potential, so much power. He told us what he was here for. Now we, we look at him. He looks regular. He died like a regular guy. Man, he, he, he could have been great on that cross, but now it's, it's just Jesus, just Jesus. Well, my question for you this morning is, who is Jesus to you? It's just Jesus. You know, at a time of moral relativism and secular humanism, uh, I see faith, it becomes something like a, a dinosaur. We exist in this culture of the casual we come to church early, we bring our lattes, like me. <laughs> we watch the five-minute countdowns on the screen. We, we sip our lattes. We come in with our ripped jeans. Now, hear me correctly. I'm going somewhere. I'm not trying to criticize you here. You know, I watched last week as we were baptizing people. There was a gentleman standing on the side over here. And he had his phone out and he was filming the visuals on the screen. I thought, why is he doing that? He came from a small community. But often we can become so familiar with the things around us. Church, it can become so casual. Approaching God and who he is and what he has done can become so casual in our life. I want you to hear me correctly here. We want you to feel welcome. We want you to come as you are. But there is a problem. When we see the holy, reverent God as casual, we exist in a casual culture. I just wonder, have we become casual where there used to be reverence? I really hope you're understanding where I'm 
coming from, and I'm not confining God to a physical building because our God cannot be limited to physical spaces. The church is a body of people. It would not matter where we meet. We are still the church. I'm not addressing what you're wearing this morning. My concern is, have we come too casual when it comes to seeking God, approaching God, seeking his face? That's my challenge for you this morning. You know, our times have changed and I am so grateful for it. However, I'm concerned that we've gone too casual in our view of God, in our reverence, in our awe of him. It's just Jesus. You know, we can receive a scripture each day in the form of an email. (laughs) You can get audio versions of the Bible. And if you can't read, that's okay. But we have all these forms of technology which really are an asset. But if we depend on them entirely, I just wonder if we're missing something. Because our God is holy. Have we maybe lost the wonder of the holiness of God? I don't know about you, but I thank him for his grace. I thank him that he tore the veil so that we could approach him. I thank him that he is not exclusive. I thank him that he is not limited to just the chosen few. This is not some cool dude we're talking about. We're not talking about someone who comes along and heads off. He is here. He is present. He is real. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is to be revered. He is to be held in awe. He is the fullness of God, the Godhead body. We're talking about the living God. The one who was on top of the mountain when Moses went up to see him. The mountains shook. The earth trembled. He was nothing to be played with. When the children of Israel were in trouble, he was a cloud by day and a pillar of light by night. This is a God who speaks and a universe shows up. This is a God who created everything with his mouth. He put his hand in the dirt and he formed you. He breathed life into dead situations. This is a holy God. He has angels and all they do is cry out, holy, holy, holy. He is nothing to be played with. He is real. He is personal. He is intimate. We should be present in worship. I don't mean to get the stick out and beat you like (laughs) Uncle Paul. But I wonder, do we sometimes turn up? If your name's Paul, forgive me. I just wonder if we turn up to church sometimes and we go through the motions. What are we doing? He answers prayer. He heals needs. He makes a way. He provides solutions. He is your comforter. Have we become casual with that? which is holy. Here we have Jesus. He's there on a cross. People couldn't even see him. How sad. You know, you may be here today and you may feel like nobody sees you. My message for you is don't be discouraged if people don't see you. 
my God, my daddy, your God, he sees you. He knows your prayers. Do you want to be used by him? Do you want to do something great? It's not a rhetorical question. I just feel a specific word for someone here today is you shelved that calling that God's put on your life. He wants you to pick it up again because he placed gifts, he placed talents in you and he wants you to step out and do what it is he has called you to do. But he wants you to come to him reverent. He wants you to come with him as your source, with him as your guide. Forget what's going on around you. We sung before about, oh, this is how I fight my battles. You're surrounded by him. You don't have to worry about the physical things that are going on around you because he is with you. He is for you. You and Jesus are the majority. He is Lord. You know, I turned 40 a little while ago. Still young. (laughs) But I sit with people regularly and I'm amazed at this ministry envy we can have for one another. If you would just be the person that God has graced you to be, you will fulfill the calling he has on your life. Don't worry about the calling someone else has. You just worry about you. He's placed talents with inside you. Giftings on your life that are so unique that no one around you has because they're on you. Stop looking around and look up. Look to him. Don't treat that gifting, that anointing casually. Familiarity, it breeds contempt. I just wonder if we will be people who are committed to seeing the best in others, where we speak life to one another, even if they have major flaws, we all have skeletons in our closets. One thing I can't stand is when we put people down and we say they can't do that because they've got that wrong in their life. Don't ever have an attitude of, oh, that's just Peter. That's just Sam. That's just Susie. Seriously, grow up. Please hear me in love this morning. I remember a couple of years ago, I had a phone call from someone in the community. It was a one and a half hour phone call. Now, if I was doing that with my wife, it wouldn't be a problem. But one and a half hours on the phone talking to someone who had just recovered from alcohol poisoning. They were at their lowest of lows. They were desperate. They were looking for something. They wanted God in their life. At the end of that conversation that we had prayed, they had invited Christ into their life. It was a beautiful thing. And then they wanted to come to church, but they were hesitant coming to church because they lived a lifestyle that was different. They were a homosexual. How can I come to church when I'm living a life contrary to the word of God? And I said to them, you come. And if anyone tells you, tell me. I spoke to a couple of people in church who I knew would say something, and I said, listen, don't say a word. It was hard. But they come up to me and said about it, do you, live, do you know the lifestyle they're living? Yes. And who are you to judge? Everyone is available to receive the grace of God. May we never be hypocritical in our walk. May we never be judgmental. 
saying who can and who can't come in to the kingdom. He died for you. He died for them. We're praying for souls. I'm praying for sinners to come in. Souls. People who are going to rock our boat. People who are going to pinch our seat. People who are going to make us feel uncomfortable. Are you okay with that? Yeah. I certainly hope so. So what's our, what do we do? What's our role? Well, my first thought for you today is never leave here with an attitude of, it's just Jesus. Jesus is on a cross. And you, you have to understand why the people were saying these kind of things. They were looking for a Messiah. And unfortunately, the, the Jewish people, they were looking for someone to come and overthrow the Roman government because the Roman government were the ones who were holding them in oppression. You know what I love about the Bible? I think it's culturally specific. And so their idea of this Messiah coming, though, they thought would help mobilize them to free them and they would have some kind of power. Finally, we'll have somebody who can lead us. Now they thought the the prophecies would be filled and it would be read as political statements. I think it's sad how in today's society we can try and politicize Jesus. We make statements like, well, I'm very right wing. I'm a liberal thinker. Therefore, Jesus is with me. He can't be with those lefties. Now, I know we make jokes about politics, but how dare we level Jesus or lower Jesus down to that level? How dare we diminish him and minimize him as some political fixture? My Jesus, he is a monarch. He is a king. He is already on the throne. Let's not hijack him for our own political gain. Jesus came to touch the worst. He came to touch me. He touched a leper. He touched tax collectors. He set prostitutes free. He set you free. And if he hasn't, he can. None of us deserve his mercy. None of us deserve his love. But he freely gave it. It's a gift we can receive. And it is so beautiful. It was religion that brought about the crusades. This is Jesus and who have we made him? What have we made him as in our own personal life? He's not black. He's not white. He's not Australian. He's not American. He's not British. He is holy. He is holy. He is utterly holy. He was man. He was utterly holy. He was fully man and fully God. He could have called legions of angels. He took 12 men and he turned them into an army, a mighty army that exists today. And you are remnants of that army. Do you want to see what a leader looks like? That leader is Jesus. What I love about him is he didn't prepare the church for his presence. He prepared the church for his absence. And I encourage you, if you're a leader here today, will you speak life into people? Will you speak life into them? Will you get out the way and allow them to rise up and step into the calling that's on their life and transmit that reverence, that awe, those giftings that God's placed in them and see them flourish? Will you speak over them this morning, tomorrow, the next day? I would just wonder if we could just get our praise on. 
and not think it's just Jesus. But they treated Jesus so casual. And I think sometimes we can do the same with others around us. When God has placed the miraculous within you, don't treat people common and miss the miracle that you require, that they may have from God. People walk past Jesus and didn't even recognize who he is. And they can do the same with you and I. Two thoughts on that. Don't treat people as common. But speak life into them. But also, if you're believing for a miracle, grab the person next to you and pray and stand in agreement, believing for God to break through in your circumstances. Don't get busy with that which is going on around you. Don't miss that person that needs that hand up. Every person has the same value as you do. I pray the grace of God over us. I pray his mercy over us, the blood of Jesus over us. May we do likewise with those around us. He was there on the cross, gasping for air. It was a pretty brutal thing that took place. One of the guys alongside him mocked him. The other one looked at him and said, remember me when when you come into your kingdom. Jesus looked at him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. I tell you, if there is breath in their lungs, there is still hope. There may be people that you are believing for this morning. Don't give up. There may be loved ones who aren't with Christ, yet don't give up. He still performs miracles today. Some people might not know who you are. They, might not, they may not know your tears. They may not know the things you have prayed. You may be sitting up the back like I was so many years ago, just seeking, looking, wanting love, wanting acceptance, wanting healing from the rubbish going on inside you. Jesus can help set you free. Will you be prepared to let go and allow God to do what he does best? I pray that we go from people who treat Jesus on anonymous to treating him as necessary in every moment. We go from, oh, what's your name again? To, hey, we've been expecting you. I am so glad you are here today. Creating that culture of faith where we reverently serve God together, reaching the lost. When you get in touch with Jesus, the real Jesus, things begin to shift in your life. I think nothing exposes character more than when we treat people in the way when we don't think we need them or we think we don't need them. Man, can we treat everyone with high regard? Treat everyone as the wonderfully created person that God created them as. Jesus, he could have floated above the crowd, but yet he chose to sit with multitudes. 
He could have chosen the most handsome individuals in all of Israel, but yet he chose fishermen. He chose tax collectors. He chose regular folk, people who were broken, but people who were prepared to work hard and stay humble. And what did he do in the process? He spoke life over them. Miracles happened. His kingdom advanced. Let's not have an attitude of, it's just Jesus. Well, my question for you this morning is, well, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? It was a question that Jesus himself asked. Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? They pondered. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah the prophet. Then he asked, who do you say I am? It's a fundamental question in our life. Who is Jesus to me? Who is Jesus to me? Is he the casual thing we do on a Sunday and then we go back to our regular scheduled life? We need you to step out and be the hand of Jesus, reaching out to our community and beyond. Let's never have an attitude of it's just Jesus looking at the most important part of history in the human universe and like most around him, they missed the opportunity. You can be here this morning, you can be listening into this podcast and I want to encourage you, don't take this moment for granted. You are the anointed. You are not common. You're not just some dude. You get to fight for souls. You sow seeds and then God waters that seed and does what he does best. Would you take a card and invite someone this Christmas? Would you be prepared just to simply love people? Jesus saves, we love. You may not be so well educated, but you're anointed. You're chosen by God. He chose you and you are enough. Just Jesus is enough for you. He's enough to anoint you, to give you gifts, talents, to launch you into your future Let's not politicize Jesus. Let's not marginalize people. Jesus himself was a refugee. He had to flee that religious and political persecution. You may be here this morning and you may be a refugee. My message for you is simple. Welcome. I am so glad you are here. You know, if we have a problem with immigrants, heaven is going to be a big problem for us. Just a thought. Let's not be religious. Let's embrace people. Would you marvel at his reference? If we get the whole team up, that would be great. Would you marvel at his grace? Would you feel his love? Would you step out into the calling he has placed upon you? Will you be a hand to the hurt, the broken, the marginalized? I see him moving in you, my friends. I see him stretching your horizon, working through your circumstances. Regardless of how you see him at the moment, he sees the big picture. Don't allow our limited thinking to hold us back from that which God can do in and through you. He is wonderful. Will you fix your eyes towards him? Will you cry out, Jesus, Jesus? Will you be prepared to surrender to him? Will you be prepared to not have an attitude of, it's just Jesus? He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords.
He hasn't finished yet. And I mean not just in your life, but in the lives of those around you. Would you stand to your feet for me? I want the team just to lead us in a song. And would you be prepared to raise your hands? We do this as an act of surrender. And if you want to stand silent, that is cool. Will you marvel at his grace? Marvel at his presence. Thank him for who he is. Thank him for what he is doing. Let's not take this moment for granted. Let's not take God for granted.